0: Bonjour, bonsoir dear friends and welcome to JCB Live. As live as we have today again, one of our fantastic, charismatic, exciting and full of culture, Rick Walker. And you remember Rick is the founder of Festival Napa Valley and he's brought so much culture and energy and passion and art to Napa Valley that Napa Valley, thanks to him, will never be the same. So he reacts very well with high notes.
1: Woo! That's, that's the magic note right there. Thank you, Jean-Charles.
0: Well, Rick, it's such a pleasure to welcome you again with us. Well, I'm
1: very happy that you asked me to come back.
0: Well, last time was with Nia Franklin that you kindly, you know, and generously introduced us to, and what a time.
1: Well, yeah, Miss America 2019, uh, Nia and Monty Franklin, uh, has. As you know, an amazing artist, amazing talent, composer, um, singer. And one of the things we talked about when she was here uh, was about a piece she had written called Burgundy and Autumn. That's right. And uh, believe it or not, I just was uh, at Cliff Lady Vineyard just half an hour ago, uh, where there's a film crew that is filming. Um, the festival's next virtual production.
0: So excited. Because
1: you, you know that the production we did in July, you yes. and I were both there for that, uh, uh, it's called One Night, Many Voices. And it featured a lot of the festival's favorite artists, people like that amazing pianist, Johnny yves Thibodeau yes. and uh, Joshua Bell and some of the other favorites of the festival. And that production uh, was went viral. It hit over a
0: million households tuned
1: in. Around the
0: world, and this was exceptional because the way you organized it at Marvelous Solage, we were all together obviously at a distance, but we had a giant screen and everybody could enjoy everything live. And it was well, thank you to this. We were two of the million people who tuned in that night, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but. I'm so grateful, and our, lo- our daughters came in at the same time. That's true, that was another two. <laughs> that was another magic. And our wives, our beautiful wives were there,
1: and uh, Maria Minetti, and Jan and many of our other great friends. Well, uh, as you know, you know, because you are on the board of directors of Festival Napa Valley. I'm we've, honored. We've been doing a lot of digital programs, a lot of programs for the schools, distance learning programs, and these, pro- these concerts that are going yes. out around the world. And our next one, the one I was mentioning that we're filming now, is, to, um, is called Songs of Gratitude. And the idea is that we've had a very difficult year uh, in so many ways. And in some ways, even more so here in Napa Valley. For with, sure. With, with the fires that we've thankfully survived and, and uh, Napa is, is back. And, uh, but we decided to use the moment to, to recognize what we are all grateful for. Yes, and music is one of those things that we're very grateful for and wine is another one and friendship. Absolutely, maybe the (laughs) ultimate most important, and so we decided that we will um, uh, film uh, some artists performing around um, Napa Valley and we're going to air this uh, program songs of gratitude on uh, Saturday December fifth, at 6pm
0: Pacific time. So uh, stay tuned for information about and that. And um, I've already even sent my email to attend. <laughs> <laughs> so how does everyone can dial in in order to be sure that they have the possibility to to visualize it? The
1: easiest way is just to uh, go on to one of the festivals, Festival Napa Valley's uh, website, which is festivalnapavalley.org, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram or any of the usual places. And there will be lots of information about right. how that. Sign in, it's a free program, uh, come one, come all. Uh, but as I was mentioning, uh, Nia Franklin's Burgundy in Autumn is being uh, uh, performed today for, the, for this concert. And it got me thinking because we're having Burgundy wines Burgundy course. wine.
0: And, you know, I don't know. Um, is the- there a Burgundy man are you thinking of that would be magic to eventually interpret that song? Well, and that sound and that music. There is a, a, a favorite pianist of Festival Napa
1: Valley who we've been fortunate to have several times happens to be from Burgundy is Johnny Thibodeau
0: The best. My neighbor. I'm sure. And my brother in the brotherhood of wine, you know, because he loves wine as well. Well,
1: you know, I was just wondering if there's any way we can make him
0: appear and join us today. Well, do. You, do you, I know you believe in magic and I know you have a way to do it. So what would be the best way? The friendship sound? Clink, clink it together and make our wish come true? Here we go. <coughs> Boom. Here he is. Look at that. It's him. Jean That's T. him. <laughs> is that him with that very sexy, phenomenal suit? There you are. Hello, hello
2: from Los Angeles. Bonjour, jean Bonjour, Jean-Charles.
0: Bonjour, Rick. Bienvenue. Uh, that's ma okay. at Los Angeles. Cheers. Hey, what a Cheers. great honor. We were talking about Burgundy, and here we have it. We have Burgundy. There we
2: are. Burgundy is coming to us.
0: We
1: have poetry in a glass, and we have poetry at the keyboard.
2: Absolutely. Together. Yeah, that's one of the things. There's so many things that I think link wine and, and music. It's amazing. I mean, and I think all the great artists love wine. I think if they don't love wine, they cannot be great artists. That's that simple <laughs> to me.
0: And Jean-Yves, we understand you were born with a glass of wine in your hand. Is that true? Almost, a almost, yes. Well, actually, uh, so as, um,
2: as you said, my father was born in a little village called Saint-Romain, which is six kilometers from Meursault, uh, 12 kilometers from Beaune, near Volnay, I mean, is right there in the beautiful area. Uh, he's buried there, all the family is there. I mean, we still have three houses. This really is my, I think if I have any roots in this world, I always say that they are in Sauma. And every time I go there, it just makes something very special in my heart. And uh, it's not as often as I would like, but I do love Burgundy. And I was born in Lyon, but every weekend, every summer, uh, we were going to to Salma. We were just spending all the time there. And <clears throat> actually, I was told—I don't remember—but I was told that at my baptism, when I was baptized, instead of giving me water, my father took uh, a, a, a tablespoon, a silver tablespoon, put a little bit of pomar in it, and put and you know put it in my mouth. And you would think I would have gone. I loved it. I was like, mm, can I have more, please? <laughs> and that was
0: my, how I was baptized with Pomar. So it was a good start. And I understand maybe instead of the holy water that they put you in, it was maybe Crémant de Bourgogne, who knows? Absolutely, and we had some right here. So- been
1: Exactly, yes. this.
0: Maybe it was your first verbal bath, because Jean-Yves, in your honor, and, and you know, as we look at each other in the eyes, we got to have a sip because it's seven years of bad something, so something. something. I know, we can't <laughs> afford
2: that, right? So
0: I'm looking at you both here. Mm. So joy for you today, to make you think of home, because we know you go back there on a regular basis. However, you're in LA today. This is the oldest house of making Cremant de Bourgogne, founded in 1877. Amazing. In Nuit Saint-Georges. So this is for right. you.
2: Here's the bottle. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Cremant Bourgogne, Louis Bouillot.
0: So John, as we have through the magical crystal glass, the honor and the privilege for all of us to share you, you've got to tell us the the story of when you believed you had this enlightenment, this awakening of this talent for the piano and music. I don't know if it was an enlightenment, I do like that word, but no, I think I think you know, I think I think
2: we are born with talents and i think it's a it's a real gift it's, there's a gift there's no question about it there's a gift you're born with a certain talent now whatever's going to happen after that it doesn't mean that you're going to become a great musician or great whatever it just it still needs a lot of nurturing a lot of discipline a lot of hard work be also lucky opportunity the right i mean there's a lot of things that you need to succeed but if you don't have the talent to start with it's a problem so i would like you to have that talent and my parents tell me that when I was like three and a half years old, I would go to the piano in the living room, I would close the door. And instead of like kids usually bang on the piano a little bit like this, and but I was like trying softly to find chords and singing along with them, and I could spend a lot of time there. So my, my father said, Maybe there's some talent we should investigate. And so he invited the director of the conservatory, who was a good friend of his, and he came and then he said. We should start him with music. So maybe not automatically start with the piano immediately, but at age five, I had the classes. What is called class deveil à la musique, like awakening to music, which is the most beautiful class where you learn about actually learn how to read music before I learned to read uh, letters, notes before letters. So I was able to read. We were singing, we were dancing, playing with all kind of instrument we had in, in the class. It was just and listening to record. The mistress would play something. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, And then when I was six, I'm born in September. So at the beginning of the year, when I was six years old, uh, I went to the conservatory and I had my first lesson, my first official piano lesson. But already my mother at home was showing me a few things and I was by myself always going to the piano. So that's how it all all started.
0: That's incredible. And then if I understand correctly, you were one of the youngest ever to enter the famous schools, the famous conservatory. Yes, so what
2: happened is that, I mean, I started everything early and I went, kind of quickly through all the different degrees. And in Lyon, the last degree was to have the Medaille, Medaille d'or, the gold medal. And I had that when I was 12. Wow. Uh, actually, I was 11 because it was in June of the year I was becoming 12. So I was, I was 11. And then the next step was to go to the Conservatoire de Paris. In Paris, we had the National Conservatory. Uh, okay. And technically, there was an age limit there. And I was too young to get it. So we had to get a special, uh, what, would, what do you call it in English, a special you know, permission, whatever. Uh, to have me enter there. So I had to audition and then they gave me the permission and then I came in September again to the uh, audition and then the, the, the competition. And I remember very well arriving in that, there was like a pre-room before you were going on stage where the, and the jury would be the hall. We were all in like a, a room, like, like a green room kind of thing. And there were all the other com- contestants that were trying to get into the school. And they were all like 20, 22, 25, whatever. And they were looking at me and, and when I was 12, I was looking about eight. I mean, it took me a long time. I started growing when I was 15, suddenly. I was like a little kid and they were looking at me and they were being very, very bad, very different. They were like, what are you doing? You're in the wrong room. This is for grown up. This is not for you. And I was being just, I said, okay, it's okay. Don't worry, fine, matter? i was just waiting. And then I went in then I played and then half of them were not taken because they only were taking very few, but I was taken, so I was very proud. Wow, and bravo.
0: And I wow. well, Joey, not to interrupt you about this, but everybody needs to know, it's the most well-known school there is in all Europe. The Conservatoire of Paris is the dream. Yeah. It's a dream and I was very fortunate to
2: have the greatest teachers. We have fabulous teachers there. And um, so it, it was really for me great. I mean, it was a bit complicated because as we said earlier, I was living in Lyon and Burgundy with my family. And yet I had to go every week to Paris to the Conservatory. So I took the train at the beginning. My mother was coming with me. We would take the train. It was called the Mistral. It was the fast one. And now it makes people laugh. Now you go two hours Lyon to Paris. In those days, it was four hours and 45 minutes. And that was a quick one. So we'd go to the Mistral, up there, back. I would stay there. We'd do, we stay one night in a little hotel across. And then the next day, we would come back. i had also to miss school. I had to, in the train, go through everything I was missing at school. I mean, it was difficult. As I said, it takes a lot of, uh, devotion and, and discipline and you really have to, it has to be a passion and it really was and I worked very hard all those years and when I was 15 I got the first prize in Paris which is the, the top level for degrees but then there's a special class called the troisième cycle, third cycle, like a master cycle which I went for another three years. So by age 18 I had done everything you can do in, in the schools there and I started doing international competitions. I won a few and then the career just started slowly, and by then I really had a little studio in Paris. When I was 15, we had a little studio that was given by the city of Paris. We have a lot of, I have to say, the system in France is fantastic. It's something that we don't really understand in this country, in the States, because it's very different. But in France, it's, everything is paid by the government. It, it's part of the education. You know, this Paris Conservatory, for example, is completely free. I think the admission in those days, I think to pay 300 francs, which was really not that much for yeah. the year. Everything else is paid for and then there were for people who needed like me. I need to have a little place to stay, so they give me a studio in the Cité des Arts. I mean, everything was really quite, quite wonderfully organized.
1: Well, it's a good example that it, this doesn't happen overnight. You're not made into a superstar no by flipping a light switch. This was no. many, many years of dedication, commitment, hard work. And you know, and you know, Rick. I think in fact it is better that way.
2: It's. I think it would be extremely dangerous. And I've seen some cases where people would win a huge competition, and especially now with medias and everything, social media, they can become kind of overnight a star, but they're just not ready. You have to be ready and ready, mean not just to play, they can all play fantastically, but it's being ready, the, the tension, Most I mean, the, all the, the nervous yeah. to have all these concerts and the repertoire, you need to have a huge repertoire to be able to perform all these concerts. If you have suddenly landing on your knees, 200 concerts in a year, you're not ready for it. You're going to burn yourself. It you can be so dangerous. So. I'm very happy that everything came at the right stage at the right moment and I feel that it gives a, a strong structure to to my career which
0: I think is incredibly important. And then what happened Jean-Yves you 18 you received all the accolades you possibly can. So you, did you shift at that time to the US or had the opportunity to come here? Well, you know, it, it's funny, people,
2: people always think at some point that I left France and I went to, I never left France, so to speak. What does it mean to leave France? I, I, I'm going there back, I mean, not now, but usually I go back and forth with Europe all the time. I still have my place in Paris. It's true that I feel like really, I mean, time-wise I'm much more here now and, and really LA is really my, 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 my real home, I feel. But Paris is still my home and Burgundy is still my home. But what happened honestly is that I started playing lots of concerts in this country. This country was very good to me. When I was 18, and when I was 19, the year after, I won the Young Concert Artist Traditions in New York, which is a fantastic organization. And they gave me the keys to the starting the, the career in this country. And I ended up being five, six months in this country. And I was tired of being always in hotels, staying with friends, and I had not as many concerts in Europe. So I was thinking, maybe I'll just leave it. And that's what I did. I got my first apartment. And then I was briefly in Washington. Then I was 12 years in New York City. and Now I've been in LA for more than 20 years. Um, And that this is a choice that came just by, because that's where my life as a performer took me. And then I started going back to Europe and back and forth. And so, you know, it was, it's not that I make a choice to leave everything. You know, just starting here, which is great. The world is
1: your
0: stage. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you know, what is so wonderful, I always say that music is an international language. Music, you can speak, you don't have to learn the language. You can go anywhere in the world, sit at the piano, play something, and then, People will be touched. They will understand. You don't have to speak the language. You don't have to say anything. And I think it's it's so wonderful. And I think it's the same with great wine. You don't have to to speak a language. You don't have. You can just share with a good friend a beautiful wine, and you just can look the person in the eyes. And if you can't can describe in words, you can still have that emotion because there's an incredible emotion in in drinking wine. And I think that's why it's something we share with friends. For me, wine is something very almost sacred. It's something I've... I share with the people I love that I like to be with and we spend a good time and we discuss about it and we discuss about music and and I think there is also a relation between wine and music I, I, it, it, that would be a long long discussion but I think somehow you can almost asso- associate some pieces to some specific terroir of, of, of wine especially in Burgundy where we have those very specific terroir which are so different you go from here and then right across the street is a completely different story so we have, we can really, sometimes I like to think of that. I think of a piece of music, I drink the wine and say, oh, why would that remind me? Or the wine is more more feminine or more robust, more masculine. Or, uh, so All of that is a very interesting uh, discussion.
1: And I'm mean, saying wine. Maybe there's there's musical words that you could use to describe.
0: I'm like sure. To, I'm sure we could use musical words. I mean, the harmony of it. Why don't we give it a try, Jean-Yves, and you tell us? in musical terms what you think about your burgundy wine in your hands okay so should we say what it is can i say what it is yes the the bouillot yeah oh yeah you want
2: to do the the Pinot. oh sorry i thought i'm sorry i, I don't see that the screen is small you oh you're with the ribouyo oh, let me go back to the oh, bubbles we're still Stop on the bubble. bubbles exactly <laughs> oh, we yeah. just started
1: we haven't caught up with you
2: I, I i love bubbles no i still have some left no worries and the bottle's not too far <laughs> okay <laughs> let's, have, let's have a little sip
0: yeah, tell us what you think within the musical terms. Well, we'll speak about with the,
2: with the wine, the red wine later. But I think definitely balance. I think is a very important thing in in winemaking. You want to make sure that it's balanced, not too strong on one side, not too strong on the other side. There's all these different uh, in your palate, all these different tastes that we have. And the same thing with music. Music, a piece of music, the composer when the write, sometimes they don't particularly think of it, but it's there instinct is the but this is where also I love is the of course I'm a friend with a lot of winemakers in Burgundy some of them since I'm a kid my father would take me around and we would go and he would try the at the tonneau at the barrel he would try every every year he would try the new wine Discuss it with his friend the, the winemakers and I was there and so I heard all of that and I lived through all of that and, and there's a real passion as much as a passion for music the winemaker they have the passion for the wine and they create something that is so phenomenal when you think how touching it is to go it's just from the earth comes the grape then you make this one it all just comes there and then you make this magical completely nectar of gods and and how did that happen well same thing a lot of time a lot of work a lot of discipline you have to devote to and to really believe in you have to be completely passionate about it and that's what i like about those people making wine they just it's all their lives it's all they they people that you only do it one day, once a year, the, the, uh, the vendange and you know, the harvest, but it's, it's a year-long process. They go every day to the vineyard, see how, it, how is the grape doing, where the grape is starting, is, how is this doing. They, it's a lot of work. It's like me. I don't just go to my concert. I go to practice every day. I practice. Well, it's the same thing. They have this... So when you taste a wine, you have to think of all the amazing work that a winemaker has done and has put all his love and passion, he's put into it, which is what I do when I put that in a piece of music. So it is all of that together. And I was saying balance, of course. Uh, I mean, I like to speak about colors in music. It's something that I find always very interesting. Uh, and there's definitely, I mean, you know, the, the, the cremant, the bubbling is maybe not the most incredible thing to discuss a color, but we can discuss with a great white wine or with a red wine later. But the color is also something very important. You can always look at the, at the wine in your glass and see the color that it has. And, and some colors, you know, immediately, where it is from. I mean, you know, wine, well, we'll get, I don't want to say too much about the rape, but that's coming later, but so anyway, it's, it's all this fantastic, we could go on forever and ever about, uh, and I think sometimes you can take a, yeah, associate a composer to, so I mean, obviously, this is bubbly, so I mean, it's happy. I think there's an element with Cremant that is just about happy. I mean, usually you drink that to celebrate. There's something about celebration, about happiness, about joy, uh, and I think that's an element that happens in your mouth as well. You feel that explosion of all the little bubbles and that makes you happy. And, and usually you celebrate something wonderful at the same time. And so it's part of our life, our life has those moments. And I think the, the, the Cremant is, you know, the bubbly is part of celebration of our different stage in our life that are important. We always have something.
1: Now, is there a composer that comes to mind or a music style that comes to mind I don't know it would have to be you know
2: actually he's not he's not a french composer but i think of happiness for me one of the composers that gives me the most happiness and joy it just like brings me a smile immediately to my face is gershwin i mean gershwin, gershwin is just such a happy composer you hear gershwin the tunes he was composed in that era where life was great there was no pandemic there was no recession there it was in between the two world wars people were happy and he was just creating this music where people were dancing, that they were smoking, drinking, whatever, all the bad things, whatever it is. But I think this, this for me, when I hear Gershwin, uh, I, it just makes me smile and I'm happy immediately. So I don't know if that's a good reason, but since, since I'm happy when I drink bubbly, maybe bubbly can you know be associated with Gershwin. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: You know, nothing wrong with it. Another interesting, that's a great great analogy and um, another interesting thing about Gershwin is he was a master at breaking down borders uh, between oh, yeah. musical genre
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and just overcoming all sorts of borders and boundaries. And you've done the same. Uh, I know that some of your music uh, you've ventured into jazz uh, jazz transcriptions and uh, among your 50 something recordings you have a few uh, jazz albums included with that. Uh, well how do you write? I'm a very curious person, and that goes with music,
2: goes with everything in life, it goes with wine as well, because I love Burgundy wine, and of course, I'm from Burgundy, so this is speaking of almost like my family, it's a very special territory, but yes. I'm curious in every other wines in the world, and I do appreciate wines from California, it's a lot of wonderful wines now, wines from everywhere where I go, if there's wine, I want to try it, of course, Italy, Spain, I'm in Argentina, Chile, I, mean, I, I travel, and uh, I always like to try the, the local wines as well, to see what they like and it explains and makes me feel a little bit of that, of that uh, culture as well. So as far as music goes, you're right. I'm interested in every kind of music. Jazz has always been an important part as a listener. Since I was in my teenage years, I was listening to the radio and I loved jazz. It was for me one of the, uh, I don't know, it was my, one of my favorite relaxing times. When I put classical music, it's difficult to relax completely. because I listen, my ears, like, I pick up things and but when I listen to jazz, I just sit back and I just completely, completely uh, relaxed. So that's something that was always part of my life. So I decided that I should play some of it. I I got some lessons. I mean, I learned about it. I'm not a great jazz player by all means, but what I did when I did my albums of jazz that you were talking about, what I did is that they were to me more of a tribute that I was making to those great jazz. One of them was Bill Evans, the other one was Duke Ellington. And it was just me as a classical pianist, because that's what I am, with my love for jazz and my admiration for those giants how I would interpret their music with my brain and my education of music and and my love of jazz as well. So it was, that's how I I looked at it. I was not trying to suddenly become a jazz player, but I do enjoy it. I still do a lot. I love to improvise. I love to play jazz, listen to it. That's always something. But then I also like every form of art. I think art is just not, you can't, I think so often, unfortunately, especially nowadays, people are so busy they just so stuck up in what they do. Like if they're pianists, just piano and music. But you have to open your eyes to the rest of the world. And you're not a complete artist if you don't know about paintings, about sculpture, about opera, I mean, all form of music, then about theaters and then, uh, uh, oops, sorry, almost dropped the bottle, about dancing, about, I mean, dance, every form of art, cinema, of course, the movie, every form of art, I think, is important. And we only learn from that and, and enrich our lives. And it inspires us. And, I could not be just a musician. I think you would be a very, would be a very poor result. I think you need to have all of that, have to open your, your brain to all those other forms of art and discuss them with friends, artists, and other genres of, of, uh, of art. And I think that's extremely important. And another art that I would, I mean, winemaking is an art, so for, for me, that's it. There's another one, there you go. Also, couture, I think the fashion designers are fantastic artists they are really artists they're designing they're creating something that gives emotion and and they are artists and i think that's always something also that i was fascinated by since i was a
1: kid well you've made a a major statement in the in the music world with your fashion sense and and breaking down some of the uh traditions of concert attire can you tell us about how that your your thoughts about that and and
2: well, I, th- I think I can't remember many, but at least twenty or twenty five years ago, I was playing all around the world and I was thinking, How boring is it for a man to wear this tail that we've been wearing for two, three hundred years, God knows how many years. <laughs> and then women, they get those fabulous dresses. Sometimes they have two in the evening, first half, second half, and we're there like idiots like penguins all around. And also thinking, how <laughs> does that relate to a young person, to, to youth? Uh, it's just terrible. They see that, they think, oh, that this kind of music, this guy, weighs dress. Oh, I cannot like his music. They just could not relate to that. So I, I thought that it was time to make something different. I mean, I didn't mean to be crazy and come with, I was, I think you have to be elegant when you perform. It's very important because people go to a concert is a special moment. It's something uh, that you give them. It's something different than just staying at home. They go to the concert and they need to have, you need to give them almost like it's a dream. It's something magical that you give them. So you need to keep that but doesn't mean you need to wear the tails. So I started going actually to meet with designers and uh, see the possibilities. And from that day, I did not wear it. I have not worn tails in, I don't, I cannot even know how many years. So I went through different designers. I was very lucky to have some fabulous designers. They uh, do, do things for me and that went all over the years. Uh, and, and it was just important for me and I think it did it did work. And what makes me really happy now is that all these years later, when I see my young colleagues now, not one of them wore tails. Have you seen a pianist or a violinist that wear tails now? They have tuxedo, they have shirt, black shirt, whatever. And, and it's perfectly fine. I think that was so important. Um, so uh, to, to finish that story, I, I met about 15 years ago now Vivian Westwood, Dame Vivian Westwood, who is the most fascinating uh, person that, that I know. She is incredibly culture incredibly talented, of course, we all know that. But she has a love of music and understanding of music. And this is how we actually connected. And I have a love, incredible love for fashion. I remember when I was a kid, when I was, I think seven was my first little concert, but 11 was really my first recital in Lyon. And my mother telling me, we need to get you a suit, something to perform in. And I said, (laughs) oh, cool, that's fine. OK, so she took me to this big store in Lyon where they were selling all kind of clothes. And they were going to start. And I went right, I said, OK, I, I thought for a second, I said, I want this jacket, I'm gonna have these pants, uh, this shirt, and I want this bow tie, and oh, how about those shoes? I mean, I had made my outfit in five minutes, and that was that was it, that's what I wanted to wear. <laughs> so I already had then. You already had the fashion sense. Yeah, I mean, the fashion has always been a truly, uh, I mean, it's organic for me to love fashion, just part of, I really love it. So it's easy for me to discuss fashion and speak with designers. And I remember my first visit with Vivian, was in her studio in London, and I was, asked to play Rhapsody in Blue at the proms in London. uh, And that was for a very special prom, which is a great, great concert series during the summer festival at the Royal Albert Hall with 7,000 people in the hall, and it's live on TV and everything. So it was a big moment. So I thought it was maybe the right time to start. But I knew her we were friend, but i never asked anything. And I went to her, I said, Vivian, would you consider do a special outfit for me for this concert for the Rhapsody in Blue? And she said, oh, absolutely. And we started working on that. And she sent me sketches that I still have. Then I went, it was the first try, second try, we discussed that we would put it. And this is how it started. We became wonderful friends. And I love when I'm with her. I can spend hours talking about everything, music being one of them, fashion, one of them. But way beyond that, about the world, about, I mean, right now she's very worried about the climate, about, I mean, all kinds of things. She's a phenomenal lady. So I feel very, very privileged that I have this relation with her and I still continue to work no tails, uh, different, all kind of different suits and jackets and, and shirts. This is actually what I'm wearing today, you know, it's not to uh, to say a little bit especially, but this actually is a brand new. It's the first time I'm actually wearing it. It arrived a few days ago and
0: it's a new Vivienne Westwood little suit. So we, we we are the first to look at the fashion You show. are
2: definitely <laughs> the first and you'll be probably, you know, I don't get dressed up these days so much. So Today's days occasion, I said, let's wear the new suit. What am I going to wear it otherwise, you know? And you have a little gilet underneath. That's yes, it's wonderful because the gilet is part of it, you see? It's kind of sewn in. Oh. The gilet is part of it. Then you can close the gilet or open the gilet. And then you have this little, I don't know if you see, the little, the little chain that you put in inside. And then you also have a little chain. And then this shirt, which, this is one of the things, she, she is not afraid of mixing up shapes and, and and colors, and which I think is fantastic. People, the old school will say, oh my God, this has uh, stripe. Then you have to have like a one, one shirt with one color, you cannot make. Well, the oh, look at this shirt, it's fantastic. It's all, and it looks fantastic with the same colors
0: out there. And this is, this is how she works. I think she found the perfect model as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank so you very Joey, much. <laughs> as, as Rick was saying, you've created over 50 albums, which is enormous. Would you uh, briefly walk us through your incredible creative process? of how you get to create, because in addition, you have the talent, as you mentioned, to play not only classical music, even though you're very well known for it, but as well, you branch out into all kinds of areas. I think to, for me,
2: one of the secrets is that to only do project that you completely believe in, that you are 200%, that you are passionate about, that you just cannot live without making them. And, I think the problem of our times often is that some artists have something that is created by the marketing or by whatever it is behind, and they want to create an image, they want to create something, but that is not the real person behind it, and that's not going to work. Eventually, the person is going to break out of that mold that is artificial, and it's going to not going to work. So I can only defend things that I'm passionate about. So I would not play a piece that I don't believe it. If there's a piece that I'm not moved by, that I don't, I'm not going to... The concert because I just feel it's not the right piece for me so same thing with recording even more every record that I've made is almost like I always say like a child I mean that would be lots of children I know but you know whatever <laughs> but almost each, each of them is yeah. like it, it's a, it's a labor help. of love <laughs> and it's something I really wanted to do so I choose all this and each one I put all my enthusiasm and sometimes it takes months sometimes years of research to prepare it which has to do way Behind just just playing the notes of that piece is way more than that. I try to learn more about the composer, about the time he was written, what was going around in that time, in other form of art, in his life as a human being, what he went through. I mean, all of that is terribly important. So it, it comes all of that. Each one, I have to say that eighty, probably eighty percent minimum of my discography is thing that I wanted to to record. That I went to the to my wonderful record company, MDECA, at Universal. And I just went to them and I said, I'd like, in those days, was a gentleman who was not with us anymore, Ray Minchel, but he was a fantastic a uh, and director. And I would ask him, Ray, do you think I could record that? And he would be so happy that I would said, you want this? I great, let's do it. And once in a while, he would give me a hint. He said, how about you know, this? Then I would look into it and I would come back and say, that's fantastic. You know what? This is so great. I'm so excited. Yes, let's do it. So, but I think a lot of it really came from me. And they were wonderful to always let me know, and I me mean, do what I really wanted to do. And I think that's important. So it's all of that is, I like also to record things that have been part of my life for a long time. Yes. I would not learn a piece and immediately record it. I mean, I could, but it's not the same. I like to have them live through with me. Sometimes I play a piece a lot, then I don't play it for 10 years. Then I take it again. It's a bit like a wine. Again, you have the wine, so you make it. Immediately you try it. It comes right out of the barrel, you, know, you try it then you come the bottle and you try it and then you wait a few more years then you try it and then over the years those great wines become better and better and you and you see the evolution you and you drink it you continue drinking you say oh how is it now wow this is what happened to this wine well same thing with music I do love every piece I play but I play them differently because I'm a different person I have matured like a wine does we're all the same so that's another analogy and I, I can see now that you're ready for your next wine bottle. <laughs> well, glad. you've
0: emptied us. Yeah. But I've been right looking, I've been We're just at catching up it. with you. <laughs> you're
2: ahead uh, of us, obviously. <laughs> now we have this fabulous Chevrèche Lambertin from Bouchard, 2017, which is young, but it's beautiful. I- actually, there is something about those great wines, when they're young, that is something that, of course, we can, can, can keep them 20 years. You, know, you can keep them as long as you want. but And they become different. Better, not better is another discussion. But, when they're young, they have that incredible, it's like, it's like people in our life, it's the same. And so, the, and then, you know, now we can speak about the color. Now you have this fabulous color that is really, really, I mean, it's the Pinot Noir, of course, but it's also burgundy. I, I think those great burgundy always have, it made me think of ruby, just, I love also stones and jewelry. And I think yeah. this is a perfect, it's just like a beautiful ruby, that incredible red. And you can, of course, see through, it's so beautiful. And it can be darker or and when the wine becomes older, it can be a little bit lighter. You can almost like see through. It's almost, it's so touching. You see this wine that sometime I've, I've drunk, I was lucky with my father to drink some wine that was 50, 60 years old, like some old Pomar. And it was amazing. You would look at it and it, you could almost see through yes. and then you drink it. And it's the essence. It's like almost like the skeleton of the, it's like it's like a, having a cologne and then it becomes another toilette, then another parfum, and then it becomes the parfum. It's The essence the intensity is just the that that fabulous and then you drink it
0: and it's it's so touching. it really is an emotion it's so, so well I and mean, joy it. it can be deceiving because sometimes oh I know the lighter it gets not as good it is and that's as you described so well the opposite. I know unfortunately it's
2: not a win-win case I remember though something I don't know if you had ever that happened to you Jean-Charles but I remember one day my father opening a really old bottle I think it was from my mother's birthday and it was for, uh, for dinner and then he opened it and he said, oh my God, it is his to be this, oh my God, I'm sorry. It's not good when not going to drink it. It's, pa- it's passe, it's past. it's not good anymore. But he didn't throw it away. He just put it back on the side of the kitchen then opened something else. The next day for lunch, he went back to that bottle. He opened it and it was glorious.
0: That's right. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's amazing that the wine could evolve to the point that it's opening up to the environment, to the people yeah. there. And maybe your energy and your father and mother had a lot to do with it. And there's something to be said for second chances. As That's well. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, there's a very touching story about my father that I like to tell. My father had, it's a very weird thing. It was a, a chemical, physical reaction. But when he was drinking a really great wine that was giving him a tremendous emotion, he would have what we call in France, la larme à l'œil. He would have a drop that would come out of his eyes, which, is, which he could not control it. It was happening or not happening. And he was well known in the circle of his friends in Burgundy and very often his friends winemakers would call him and say Jean, his name was Jean, he said, Jean, come here and they would make him taste the wine and they would look at it and said, so? And they would wait for it, they would take his finger and he would do that, was, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we that was okay. That's kind of a great wine. Very special. Oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'm, I'm having it right now. We're all having it right oh, now. Yeah.
1: So Jean-Yves, so what is this? Uh, tell you musically comp- I mean it, it's
2: it's it's a it's an explosion an explosion of I mean I'm just being of the nose I haven't tried it yet but just you know the nose, the bouquet is, in, is an explosion of you always expect to have the fruits and all of that and it will probably come later I haven't opened this very long ago um, right now I find it very fragrant I, f- I smell a lot of perfume almost flowers perfume more than actually red fruit but I know it's coming and I know it probably might be there when I try it, to drink it but the smell is just an absolutely overwhelming, incredible nose that is so fresh yeah. and so that that youth, that that's incredible but bubbly without the bubble I just mean that you know wonderful element of a young wine that has or all of this is there already and you can enjoy it great and then it will become something else later and it will still so that, that's very 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 beautiful
0: so I'm going to try it now.
1: A, a symphony of, of aroma. Mm. <laughs>
0: Hmm. A concert of pleasure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think a symphony is great. A symphony, again, we're speaking about balance. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful wine. Yeah, the symphony, I mean, I I feel also, almost also the levels of what would be the name in, almost like a conductor's score, like an orchestra score. There's also many different levels. Yeah, it's going up. Yeah, and wine is never monochromatic, it's never dressed and then it it, it it stays, and then the great wines, and in Burgundy we're very lucky with that, they stay in your mouth, the aftertaste, it stays in your mouth for a long, the, I don't see the last thing, you don't want to say that in, in English again, but it stays forever, I mean, I have now, and it stays and it changes, but you feel all of this in your taste, buds, and it, it is phenomenal, I mean, so the way, of course, you always keep it a bit in your mouth, you turn it around, then you, you swallow, but then you keep it in that mouth and it's just unbelievable what you live. So it's a little bit like yeah, a piece of music that you listen and then if the piece is finished, but it still lingers, you still hear the tunes and sometimes you go outside and you start whistling the tune of the music. Well, it's almost, I wish we could whistle what we just drunk, but it's what it is. Those those, so I think, yeah, symphony, I think is a beautiful word because it has something very complex it's a complexity, a richness, all those different layers that you have in a symphony, a full orchestra, uh, and I think all of that is, is good. That, that's a very good idea.
0: Well, on, on that note, jean you're a great inspiration for all of us and as well for younger people, too, that you really focus a lot on education and, and oh, mentorship, yes. Would you tell us a little bit about all the things you do there? Yes, because That's, so thank you. Thank
2: you, Jean-Charles, for mentioning that. This is a very important part of my life at this point. I think, I think I was very, very lucky and privileged to have the greatest teachers, greatest mentors, the greatest artists that helped me and inspired me. And I think it's all about inspiration because you need, as I said earlier, the talent, the work, all of that. But then you need to be inspired as well. And those great artists would inspire me. And at some point, I mean, it started many years ago, but really, lately, like in the last, whatever, five, 10 years, it became more and more important, more and more uh, in front of, of my mind. It was like important for me to give back something. You know, in life, we have to give back. We, when we're lucky enough to have gone so many things, you have to give back some to the world. And, and I think so, that's already, already one thing. I think it's just normal to give back. But also, I think to share my experience, share my knowledge, share my Uh, all the traditions. I mean, i would give you one example. One of my teachers in Paris, Lucette Descaves, at the conservatory, was a friend and collaborator of Ravel, Maurice Ravel, the composer. Can you believe that? So through her, through Lucette, I almost feel like I met Ravel. I mean, she told me, she spoke about him at the present, like if he would come through the door, it would open and then would come Ravel. And that was amazing. So I learned all those things from her about how he wanted his music performed, how he didn't want his music performed. There were even some mistakes, things corrected the score that was never corrected, but she knew it, uh, all of that. And I think this is, it's an incredible heritage. And I have to pass that on to the generations ahead. Otherwise, it, all those people are gone. All those people from her generation definitely are gone. So we have to continue passing that on. And so what I've... Zoom things, you get a phone call? Okay, got rid of okay. it. <laughs> Uh, so, what I've done is, I've done, of course, master classes around the world for a long time. But recently, in the last five years, I think now is my five or sixth season, I'm artist in residence at the Colburn School in Los Angeles, which is a oh. fantastic school. I love it. Um, and I give them all the time and, and, again, inspiration and enthusiasm that I have. It's a great place, great location. I love everything, the feel about it, and, and the faculty is tremendous. So, this is where I try to give back as we say, and I have some special, actually there's scholarship uh, in this country, as we said earlier, we have to have help because the governments don't really don't really give subsidiaries. So most of it is you know, is done by private sponsorship companies or private people like like your festival, Rick, I know, you know you know what I'm talking about. Hmm. We need that sponsorship and, and the oh, school needs them. And so what I've done is uh, I, was, I have a lot of wonderful friends and some of them were very generous and they gave money to have a scholarship and I have we call them the Thibaudet scholarships, and those are my scholars, and I choose them oh, every great. year. And we give them the scholarship to come to, to Colbert, even though a part of Colbert is completely free. The conservatory, the academy is not completely so. And anyway, there's always other things to, to pay for. So we have the special scholars, and that's, that's all of this is what I want to do in the future. I want to really continue teaching and do all of that. And I think it's very, very important. And education is terribly important. Musical education has to be there from a young, I've seen my case, if I hadn't had that, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. You have to give at least the kids the opportunity to learn and to love music. They're not all going to be musicians, that's fine, but they will know about music, they will appreciate it, and it will be like a friend for the rest of their life. Music is something, it's a gift you have to give to your children, it's
1: very important. That
2: you do
0: so well, but, we, at
1: the I know, we're all deeply committed to what you just said,
2: Johnny. I um, no, that, that's great. I mean, that's, yeah. I think it's very important. I think it's almost like a mission that we have to, yes whatever you do in life, if you're successful and you have to get back. And I think education is certainly one of the priority because without education, we're nothing really.
1: Yeah, and without art, without music. Absolutely. Music Music is so
2: important, yeah. I think music is really something, I don't mean the other form of arts or not, but there's something about music that touches immediately. There's something that it speaks to your soul. It goes immediately, this emotion. I mean, of course, you see a painting, it's the same, but it's just different. For me, it's like music, it just goes, there's something so poignant about, like, a voice, a human voice singing, or a piano, a violin, a cello—all those beautiful instruments. There's something that just immediately uh, gives you an emotion, and I think that's—and again, it's—it goes all around the world. It's international. You don't have to speak the language. We can reach all the people without any form of language, any form of politics, any form of everything. Music is just the most beautiful uh, vector that we have in life, and I think Nietzsche, the one who said, "Life without music would be a mistake."
1: I mean, can you even imagine? Can you imagine this world with the silence of no music? I mean, and music is so important.
2: It, it would be, be crazy. More
1: than ever. Another Maybe.
2: another good example, Rick, is, for example, uh, in movies. I've done a few. I mean, I played. I didn't compose, but I played in a few soundtracks. Really interesting experience. I love doing that. It's fabulous, fabulous. Another, another interest of mine. Uh, and then you realize when you see the movie without the music, and when you add the music you realize that it's probably 50% of the movie is there. I mean, it, it adds so much to it, especially when the moment is no dialogue or just see people see situation, but the music is what gives, it tells the story and that's phenomenal. And you see the power of the music is right there, how much it gives, it adds to the, to the image.
1: I just had a funny memory of uh, something talking about uh, no music. Well, there's one time, one concert here at Festival Napa Valley, Johnny you might remember this I he know but to please
0: tell the story please
1: and it was in uh <laughs> it was in 2007 and you were playing the Greg piano concerto with the Russian National Orchestra and Stefan Denev yeah. and uh at, on the stage at Lincoln Theater packed house beautiful concert I think you were in the maybe in the second movement or something and all of a sudden with this beautiful Steinway concert grand all of a sudden one of the keys, one of the notes got stuck, and so <laughs> Johnny was playing, and this one note wasn't working. Now, a lot of a, a lot of pianists in this world would have just gotten mad, stormed off the stage, left in their limousine, and be gone. But not Johnny. Johnny has all the grace and dignity of a great artist and a great human being, and he just um, rolled with it, and they rolled the concert grand off the stage and they rolled back onto it uh the practice piano the rehearsal room piano perfect (laughs) i love piano and Johnny picked up where he left off i think we started the movement over again and it was a spectacular concert musically and emotionally and i remember the standing ovation you got at the end of that yeah it's
2: it's true it's one of the uh, things you remember it happens in your life you have a few anecdotes like that and and it can happen to the most beautiful piano. It's like having the great bottle. Once in a while, the bottle would be corked, or be, you know, something that happens. That note, it could be the weather too, it's summer, it's hot, it's humid, it's whatever. And that note just got stacked. And I tried as long <laughs> as I could to go. But if I remember, it was the A, which means the concert is in A minor. So they an A every other note, basically.
1: Yeah, who so means like, you okay. know all the other notes? <laughs> How come you what am ask?
2: I going to do? So I tried. And then at one point, I realized it was finished, it was impossible. So I just stopped. I looked, it was Stefan Genevi. I looked at Stefan and I said, hey, I have a little problem here. And then I turned to the audience, exactly. And then we said, what, what are the options? Option one, cancel the concert, as you said. I said, no, I don't want to go to that option. I said, what else do we have? We could not find, I think I think when we located the tuner, but he could not repair it so quickly. So that was not an option either. And I said, but there's another piano there. said, yes, I said, the piano of the green room. It was a baby grand. Of, it was white, I think, too. It was a white baby grand. <laughs> and they said, oh, but it's not really true. I said, you know what? It's better than nothing. The audience is all mine. What's important the concert goes on. And they rolled that little piano on stage and we started again. Exactly. And we finished and we did the best we could. And the audience was worn over it because it's beyond you know, the music again. The music is the one that uh, made, at the end of the day, the music is what speaks. And the music speaks to any instrument. It doesn't have to be you know, the greatest one, the biggest one, the small one, it doesn't matter. The music message was there and people loved it. And, and we have to say, on top of that, it was a very emotional concert to start with. Because it was in honor of Stefan's wedding. You remember that?
1: That's right. That's, it was, right.
2: that's why I came there. I came specifically, and he chose Greek because his wife is from Sweden. That's and right. there was a connection. No, no, it, was, it was Norwegian, obviously, but that, that Northern Scandinavian. It's Canadian, yeah. and, and, and it's also a <laughs> fabulous piece, anyway. But it was a very emotional concert to start with. So I was not going to ruin their wedding. I mean, I couldn't do that, you know.
0: So, Jean you've done so much and shared so much with the world. What is the next thing, your next dream that maybe you have not yet accomplished?
2: Well, I have lots of dreams. I think, I think life without dreams or life without hope would be not worth living. I mean, you need to, that's why you have to wake up every day and have tons of dreams. Some of them that are, you can realize. Some of them, you know, that might never be realized. But it's okay, you can still have the dreams. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on the one that I can not realize, hopefully. Lots of things. Uh, I would say more, things in a, in a different, um, for example, m- mixing up the different form of arts. I think that's in- very, very important to me. I think, again, I think we are so confused about you know, just stuck in what we do. And I think that's a big problem. So I love to have interactions between artists of different genres of music, uh, whether it can be designing, it can be like the designing company that design something, um, furniture or you know, whatever it could be, or it can be uh, with a painter that's easy. Uh, you can also have the piano surrounded by paintings in the museum. I've done that sometimes; it's a fascinating experience. Uh, and, and then just speak also with other genre music. I remember I did in—I think it was in 2000—we celebrated at the Smithsonian the 300th anniversary of the piano. Uh, we say it was invented 1700 by Cristofori, uh, and so 2000 was the 300th anniversary. And for the celebration, and I think it's still we can still find it online, they did a fabulous concert in Washington that. That where they invited pianists from all genres of, of, of music. And I thought that was probably one of the most exhilarating, enriching, and I don't even know what the word would be, uh, experience for me, because we lived two or three days together in the same hotel. We would record during the afternoon, this part of the show. Then in the evening, we'd go to the bar. The bar would close in the hotel. We would just stay there. Anyway, there was a piano. And we <laughs> had people like, I mean, I, Dev Brubeck was still there. It was Dev Brubeck, uh, the... Cyrus Chestnut, I'm trying to remember. I mean, Ray Charles was supposed to come, but he couldn't make Billy Joel was the uh, MC. Uh, we had Diana Kroll. We had the Beck sisters and I me. Mean, we were the only two classical. Uh, then was uh, Elian Elias. I mean, all kinds of jazz. I mean, I can't even remember all of it, but it was, can you believe all those people together? Yeah. And at the same time, at the evening, one pushing the other on the bench said, hey, let me show you, we we'll just show it. They went, no, no, no. And then playing four hands, whatever, until four in the morning. And that was so, Fascinating. And I think we have to, and I think the audience also need to have formats of concerts that are a little bit more interesting. I mean, how many recital? I mean, it's beautiful recital, but just the pianist's piano, how many recital can you be just like this sitting in front of the piano not doing, we need to find different formats as well. We need to, and we need to continue attracting young people to come to the concerts because they are the future. We need them. So you need to find things to attract them, to make them understand that classical music is fun too. It's great you can enjoy it it's it's, it's cool there's nothing wrong with it so and they love it when they hear it you just need to reach them and for that we need all of those so i believe in different formats of concerts different genres of music again uh, and and i think relations in partnerships with different artists i think that's fabulous find different different way to do it and then inspire each other into something go further Uh, all those kind of things are really what are right now Fascinating me. I will still play recital and play with the orchestra and all of that. But I think we need that as well. And and of course soundtracks. I love playing for soundtracks. I think that's very important. And we do touch lots of people with the soundtracks. People that would not come automatically to your concert of my classical music. But I see so often. I would see Napa to the concert. I would see somebody who came. Oh, this is my first classical concert. I came because I saw your name. And my wife loves Pride and Prejudice. This is our first concert. It's our date, and I want to bring it. I find that so touching. And I said, you know what? I I want one person right here. And that person need to go to more concerts, buy more CDs, listen to more classical music. And that's, so everything that can help, I think there's a message there that is really important.
0: So well said. So Jean-Yves, you got the famous distinction by the French president of the Legion of Honor for Culture. How does it feel? And what music did you play that evening? Because I know you did probably a big concert. Well, you know, I was, it was in
2: 2002, I remember very well. It's the Lord National des Arts et Lettres in French, but okay. So it's for, yeah, it's for culture, it's for arts and leaders. So it's culture, that's what I like. It's not just for musicians, it's for culture altogether. So arts and leaders, so it's everybody, all the artists, it's for artists. And it's a very, of course, very wonderful distinction. I felt very uh, moved and touched and honored to have in 2002, I was Chevalier, then in 2012, uh, I, I became officier. I was made officier, so now I'm officier. I'm sorry, it's a brand new suit, so I haven't time oh t- t- to <laughs> <laughs> Usually it would be right here in the little hall here. I would have my officier des Arzulettes. But, well, I was very proud because it, it's, it's something I remember my mother came to the ceremony. My father had left us many years before that, but my mother came and and I remember having to make a speech. And making a speech, I'm used to performing in front of 40,000 people, 20,000 people at the Hollywood Bowl. And it, it's I don't say it's, it's normal and easy, but you get used to it, it's part of my life. But there was not so many people, but it was very special assembly of people there. And I had to speak and speaking is special, something like that. I became so emotional. At one point, my, my, I was like, I was, it was so difficult to speak and I felt so stupid, but I think it was touching because it was the reality. I was just really touched of all the people that were there, all the love, all the outpour, of all of that it was something really special. And I did the speech in French and in English, because it was important, because we did at the residence of the French ambassador in Washington. Being Living in the States, it had to be on the American. That's something I should ask for. We could have done in Paris, but I wanted to be on American soil, because I felt that America was a great part of my life. It's been very good to me, especially as a you know, musician. So the French ambassador there is the one who did. The, for, that's for the Chevalier, the first one. And it, it, was, it was really wonderful. Uh, and, and then I have to say, I'm very proud of another uh, decoration that people might not know so much about, but. Was, you were speaking earlier about that, the brotherhood, the Confrérie des Chevaliers du Tastevin in Clougeau, which is a, one of our brotherhoods in Bordeaux. That is, sorry, <laughs> I knew. I was oh, thinking of oh, Bourgeois. I said, "You I've got a more saying, wine <laughs> to i Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, you see, that's what <laughs>
0: happened when you drink.
2: No, it's one of our most beautiful and, and touching organization. Um, you know, in, in Bourgogne, and my father was a member of the Confrérie for yeah. many years. And when he passed, I was very young. I think I was twenty, my, my early twenties. They asked me very kindly, and again, I was very tired. They said, we'd like you to be part of it because your father was a very important part of it. Uh, so I became a very young chevalier. And then over the year, I was officier. Now I'm officier-commandeur. And I have to say, this is something that I'm very, very proud because it, it's, again, part of my heritage. It's part of my roots. It's part of my growing up. And, and it's just something that means a lot to me. And I try to go there for our chapitre, was wonderful huge meals and what we drink and just such wonderful wonderful ceremonies as much as I can but lately unfortunately with what's well, going on in the world you can't travel so much so I haven't been
0: there. But you know I live 500 meters away from the chateau in Rougeau that's why I was born and raised like you and born like you in September you know yes. so we both we both Virgos right? What, what is I'm seven September seven what is yours jean September 4th No No <laughs> yes. There's another Virgo. Virgos <laughs>
2: are the best. I'll, I'll and drink we to Virgos. are
0: brothers together yeah. from the to Virgo as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so well, funny. Joey, we want to thank you so much, but I think you're so electrically phenomenal. You're giving us goosebumps. You're giving us what? the tears, so much I tears and, tear. and <laughs> energy. Is there maybe the last message you want to give to the world at large? Because you, such a great speaker and you have so much to offer to the world. Well, I think your message. Yeah, I think we are in very difficult
2: times for the entire world. And I I think I think if I think of only one word, only one word, I would say united. Let's stay united. It's so important. It's important that we all come together in those difficult times. The only way to to go through is if we all come together. It's not we cannot have any more of all this little wars of everything big wars whatever you want to call them uh, we just can't we just can't afford and it has to go with everything and I think it, it, it's a very global word but it, I think it—it. It oops oh sorry 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 oh my god yeah sorry I'm back it really expressed what I'm feeling right now I just feel like if we were more united we could combat so many things whether it's religious, I mean, whatever it is, it's just so sad, racist, whatever it is, we need to get together and we only celebrate the life of the human race. The human is the most, it's, and life is a gift that is given to us that is so incredible. It's such a wonderful thing to be alive and to enjoy that we cannot take away from that. And we have to, we take too many things for granted. So we have to every day, thank, say how privileged we are for those who really are privileged and then try to give it back and. I think it's it's just important to try to make the world a better place to live. And I think we need music and wine for that. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Cheers yeah. to that. that. That's the best to keep us united, yes. And yes. not only we need to do cheer, but I think jean if you need to show us how we yes. say cheers in Burgundy. Absolutely. way so we call our Bon Bourguignon. Do you know it, Rick?
1: Uh, I've seen it once or twice. Okay, but well, <laughs> we'll
2: do it with Jean-Charles and you can join in if you want. Okay. So one, two, three. La, la,
0: la, 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 Merci, Jean-Yves. We'll see you
1: in Napa Valley at the festival next summer.
2: Absolutely. I can't wait. I'm looking for it. Thank you. Thank you, Jean-Charles. Thank you, Rick. Thank Take you. care of yourself. Safe as, and, as, safe and healthy. Next
0: year we're gonna to have to celebrate our birthday together. I think absolutely. We'll be a great party. Music and wine. All right. Absolutely. Thank
1: you, Zion. Thank you. Take care. I enjoy.